enrolling kids in schools and sports, starting a business, moving to a new province, buying a house or an apartment. All of these transactions require that you prove particular pieces of information about yourself. So these are the types of scenarios that not only affect new Canadians, but affect every single Canadian in their daily life. Hi, and welcome to the Identity North podcast. Identity North is Canada's premier identity community. At our conferences, we bring together Canadian and global leaders to share the big ideas and innovations that are shaping the global digital economy. I'm Aaron Hamilton, your host and the chair of Identity North. We have three goals at IDN. We want to educate, connect key players, and to promote Canadian innovations and organizations. We want Identity North to be the platform to discover and explore the big questions, innovations, and ideas shaping the digital economy here in Canada and around the world. Digital ID and authentication are ultimately the foundation for a digital economy. All of our interactions, our transactions, and our online lives depend on the creation of robust, secure, and scalable systems that allow us to prove who we are online. Guests will include leaders from both the public and the private sector, with a focus on Canadian leaders working at home and abroad. You can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcasts. Connect with us online on Twitter at Identity North or via email at info at identitynorth.ca. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Identity North podcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk to Joni Brennan. Joni is the president of the Digital ID and Authentication Council of Canada, the DIAC. We want to understand this organization and their goals. Hi, I'm Joni Brennan. I'm the president of the Digital Identity Authentication Council of Canada, otherwise known as the DIAC, and I'm based in Vancouver, BC. So I wanted to ask Joni how she came to care about digital ID and why. Joni, Welcome to the Identity North podcast. Thanks, Aaron. Well, I came to care about digital ID really in the very beginning of my career. One of the things we learned about was standardization in university. And I thought getting together for a common cause that could help change the world, such as standards can, was a really important topic and something that I wanted to contribute to. In that journey, there was a movement beginning to address challenges around user IDs and passwords and recognizing that user IDs and passwords were really difficult to use and challenging and also recognizing that identity should be something that puts people at the center and respects people. And so I was very fortunate to come into the standards development world and community just as leaders from around the world were recognizing that we could do better than user IDs and passwords and we should absolutely make sure that people are respected and how people interact with technology and digital identity is the way that we get there. Okay, so you're there at university and you were already getting frustrated with usernames and passwords. I mean, I know off the top of my head, I probably have something like 200 usernames and passwords. And it seems that every week I have to reset a whole bunch of them. And I can never actually remember which ones I've reset and which ones I haven't reset. It gets really confusing. This is a, definitely a problem I know a lot of people are dealing with these days. But you also mentioned this concern around how we are identifying ourselves and around privacy. What do you mean about that? So digital identity and particularly identity 
can be quite a complex topic. It's very personal. And so if you think about the idea of privacy, sometimes we might think about building walls and protecting information. I like to, in fact, think about privacy as the ability to decide what it is I want to share with people or with businesses or with governments. And so there are times when I want to share lots of information for a particular purpose. And there are other times that there's different information that I would prefer to share. So for example, um, if I were performing a transaction to buy a cup of coffee, I don't necessarily want to share my address with that coffee shop. However, if there's another situation like getting a package, well, then I do want to share that address with them. And so if you can think all of the different types of way that we move through our lives, we make decisions about information that we share based on principles and what we feel comfortable with and our current habits and practices. And so all of those transactions that we navigate quite easily in our physical world, there are a multitude more of those when we get into the digital world. And so we need to have better ways to help people make better decisions, but also help systems to be built in ways that protect information, first of all, but really empower people to decide what they want to share with whom and for what purpose. What I'm hearing from you is that our lives are shifting online and we're doing a lot more transactions online than ever before. And that's probably going to accelerate. And not all transactions are the same. Sometimes you need to pass different parameters about yourself, different identifiers or different attributes about ourselves to the different organizations that we want to transact with. We wouldn't want to always just pass everything across and with every single transaction. And so we need to have more control. And that control and that decision-making process that we will go through with each one of those transactions is really kind of how you define control of privacy these days. Absolutely. Defining privacy as mechanisms for control of sharing of information is a much more proactive and empowering way to think about data protection, to think about how we present ourselves in the digital world and how we achieve the goals that we have that we need to achieve in the digital world. So it's all about choice, control, and context for decision-making about information sharing. Okay, so I'm starting to see how your interest in privacy and in user control has really led towards you wanting to specialize and think about how we could do this. But how did you actually create a career in this? Because I don't see a lot of jobs posted up saying we're looking for a digital ID expert. Yeah, perhaps in the early days that was true. I would say, though, I can absolutely report that year over year, the need for people with expertise in digital identity has grown. And industry and organizations are posting more and more jobs, and they have more and more needs to fill these roles every single year. This is also evident by this new organization called Identity Pro that's focused on being a professional association for identity professionals. There is a real market need to solve identity issues. And really, what does solve identity issues mean? It's about cybersecurity. It's about usability. It's about user interface that really excites people. So identity has many facets to it. It's multidisciplinary. And there are many organizations that are in need of these jobs. And this space is only going to grow year over year as we move more and more of our lives onto the digital world. So it sounds like this is an area that we should actually be encouraging young Canadians to kind of pay attention to, especially as we're all trying to figure out what our next career options would be. 
100%. As we work to reach Digital Canada, these jobs need to be fulfilled. And if we want to keep Canada competitive and at the front of the line, we need to make sure that we're investing in identity and that we're investing in professionals who can fill these jobs. And not only that, but being technology jobs, they're not only available in the cities like Vancouver or Toronto or Montreal or Ottawa, Fredericton, Halifax. These jobs are available all across the world because they can be fulfilled digitally. So this is an opportunity from the cities to the rural uh, municipalities to enable people to have well-paying jobs that are at the forefront of technology and keeping Canada competitive. Identity North has events in, you know, across the country, and we're finding that there's an actually a really strong interest from rural Canadians in ways that we didn't expect. I guess their lives are moving online just as quickly as those in the city. And in fact, it's probably more important in some ways because they may not have access to all the city services and they have to access things digitally. So actually, in a lot of ways, the people in the rural parts of Canada have more to gain here than those in the cities. I would agree with that 100%. These communities don't always have the same types of access to services. You should be able to do a business whether you're in a city or whether you're in a rural landscape within Canada. And we should be making sure that every Canadian has the opportunity to participate in the economy and the benefits that the digital economy has to offer no matter what. And digital identity is absolutely the cornerstone and the foundation of how we're going to do that. The message I'm hearing is that times are changing and not just in the cities are changing across our country. Technology is changing, our payment system and the way that we are transacting online is really uh, going through a dramatic change. I'm trying to see where this is going in the future. Well, I would say where this is going in the future, I think that's really up to us. We have the opportunity to shape how people will interact online, how they'll do business online. And we know that we're not achieving all of the opportunities and leveraging all of the opportunities that we could today. So we have the opportunity right now to invest in digital identity. And investing in digital identity is investing in Canadians. It's investing in digital government. It's investing in e-commerce. It's investing in all of the opportunities that are moving forward in the world. We have opportunities, of course, with natural resources. Do we need to be making other investments in order to make sure that other aspects of our economy are going digital? We need to be not only investing in the idea of digital across the economy, but we need to be investing in digital as a cornerstone foundation. We need to be able to do what I'll call identity once. And that means the person being able to prove their identity without having to prove their identity over and over and over again for every single situation. If we think about it, we prove ourselves to the government. Then we prove who we are to our healthcare providers. Then we prove who we are to the banks. And we prove who we are to the telcos. So every time we perform these transactions, we have to go through again and go through the paces to prove who we are. We need to be able to have a very simple mechanism to transact securely and decide which information we share. And when we unlock that, startups are going to be able to do more businesses. They're not going to have to think about identity. Um, small businesses are going to be able to transact with each other and know that it's actually the business that they need on the other end. Um, we should be able to unlock concepts like e-residency and bring more revenues back to provinces where people perhaps have moved away. I tend to think about it as right now, identity is 
sort of the world before the power grid. And before the power grid was connected, we didn't have the idea that we would have an internet and that we would have computers. But we know now that we have a power grid, it's invisible. It's something we don't even think about. And the prosperity and the opportunities that have risen over the power grid are countless and unimaginable. And so what we need to get to is a, a notion where we have sort of a identity grid that respects security, privacy, and convenience of Canadians. And the possibilities of what we'll achieve, I think, are just staggering and really exciting. And we need to be investing in this space. I want to pick up on that last bit. Let's talk about some of the examples that you could foresee or envision once we've got this identity grid that is almost invisible and we're just using it without thinking about it. What are some of the ways that this could impact people's lives? I would say that people will be able to move more freely and with more convenience. And so whether it's opening a bank account, perhaps as a busy mom has to juggle the kids and work and all of the details of life, she should be able to open a new account easily from her home. She should be able to open a business, create a new business from her home. She should be able to transact whether she needs to do that in the car. Uh, the living room, her office, all of these types of really bringing the world to us and enabling us to access the world within our schedule and within our constructs, rather than us needing to go into that office and change that address or visit in person to start my own business or go in person to lease a new car. We should be able to make those transactions on our schedule and meeting our priorities and working with what we have to fulfill. So right now, I'm doing a bunch of those things, but are they not secure as they could be? I guess when I'm using some of the services to sign PDFs on my computer, there's no real proof that that's me doing that on my computer, right? Yeah, absolutely. One thing I would want to be a little bit careful of is thinking that we're ever going to have 100% security. I think this is a really high bar. And sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, it, we need the 100% security. We don't walk through our lives with 100% security in our transactions today, but we know for sure that we can do better. And if we solve for digital identity, we know that we can have more secure transactions. We can have more confidence when we're transacting that a person that we're working with actually works for the company that we think that they do, that the phone call that we're getting is actually coming from the place that we think it's coming from. So this is about adding confidence and adding security and absolutely doing better than we're doing today. Okay, so we're moving a lot of fraud out of, out of our economy. I can definitely see this. So talk to me about the Digital ID and Authentication Council of Canada. So the DIAC is incredibly exciting. I've been fortunate to build a career and work in the digital identity innovation and standardization landscape for over 15 years. And in that time, I have not seen an organization quite like the DIAC. DIAC itself is a not-for-profit organization funded through memberships of the public and private sector of Canada, as well as other international corporations. And one thing that I think is so interesting about the DIAC is that our vision is actually to secure Canada's full and beneficial participation in the global digital economy and all of those societal and economic opportunities that that participation has to offer. Now, our mandate is to deliver what we call the Pan-Canadian Trust Framework, which is a suite of standards for interoperability of identity services that should be usable by governments, by businesses, and prioritize the needs and values of Canadians. The one thing that I want to call out here is that in my career, I have not seen another 
socioeconomic benefit-focused identity initiative. And I think it's that North Star that enables both of our governments, as well as our major corporations, our financial institutions, our technology and strategy services providers, to all come together under one tent because we all want to move the economy forward and we all want people to have better socioeconomic opportunities. And so that in itself is not something that I've seen around the world, focusing on identity to advance the economy to help make people's lives better. This is unique around the world, and I think this is one of our core strengths that really helps to move us forward. You've got all the banks and the telcos and the government uh, of a bunch of different levels here in Canada all working together on this. Is this about collecting all the data together in one place and is there a danger that my data is actually going to start being shared in ways that I don't expect? This is absolutely not about connecting all of the databases across Canada and revealing everyone's information and removing everyone's privacy um, in this ecosystem. This is not what it's about. What it is about is about setting rules for the road, if you will, setting standards and practices that help Canadians to know with confidence how identity systems work, how they're protected, and what types of choices they can make, and hopefully how to make better choices when they're transacting online. This is about instilling confidence and regularity in terms of identity systems, which is something we don't have online today, if you think about it. Every transaction that we have tends to be slightly different, and it's confusing, and there's no good advice we can give to Canadians on how to keep their identity safe in the current constructs. Okay, so you're not talking about of actually connecting up all these systems. What you're talking about doing is setting up the rules by which they would transact and interact with each other so that Canadians understand and can trust the overall ecosystem to rely and treat them fairly across the board. This is about setting rules and practices that increase confidence and enable Canadians to actually be able to make a choice about what information they share. And those technology systems will be prepared to handle those choices and actually perform the transactions that Canadians are asking for. So there's an interoperability layer here to actually be able to make information available, but that's only upon your consent and only upon your choice and your control in your context. Okay, I get the mandate. Do you have a personal example that might help people understand this a little bit better? I do. In fact, I have many examples, but I'm going to pick one today. I'm an immigrant to Canada. And in order to immigrate to Canada, there are many processes that you have to follow and you have to prove your identity and particularly with the federal government. As an immigrant, my root of identity in Canada is with the federal government. Now you go through all of these processes and then you decide the province that you're going to move to and you have to prove yourself over again to that province and you have to prove yourself over again to the health authority within that province and to the driving authority within that province. Many, many times did I wish that there was an easy button that I could hit to say, hey, for this particular onboarding situation, as I'm a new arrival to Canada, it would be really great if particular pieces of information were shared about me from the process that the federal government used to help the provinces to know with more confidence who I am and save me the time of going to every authority within the province and enrolling in all of those services that I need in my daily life. Okay, I see that as an example for, for new Canadians, but presumably the exact same scenario is crossed by people that are trying to start businesses every day, that they have to fill in the exact same forms for multiple layers of government and for multiple permits and things like that. So this is really an opportunity to start streamlining the processes of opening businesses and, and uh, enrolling kids in schools, presumably passing through our healthcare system as well. Enrolling kids in schools and sports, starting a business, moving to a new province, buying a house or an apartment. All of these transactions require that you prove 
particular pieces of information about yourself. So these are the types of scenarios that not only affect new Canadians, but affect every single Canadian in their daily life. Okay, Joni, so I understand now what you're trying to achieve for Canadians, but this sounds like a tall order. What timelines are we operating on? Well, I'll tell you one thing for sure. We cannot afford to wait in terms of solving these solutions, solving these issues for Canadians. And we need to solve these issues by 2020. If we want to achieve Digital Canada, the work has to happen now. The investment has to happen now if we want to achieve Digital Canada by 2020. What does that actually mean? We need every organization from municipalities who deliver services to Canadians, to provinces who are responsible for foundational identity evidence, to the federal government. We need all orders of government, as well as all Canadian enterprises and businesses participating and investing in digital identity in order to solve this. And I'll tell you, this isn't a nice to have. Canadians more and more are going to be demanding these services. We have to provide good, secure, privacy-respecting identity solutions to Canadians. It's not a nice to have. It's a must-have if we're going to achieve Digital Canada by 2020. So I'm not sure that all Canadians really understand Digital Canada 2020 and have bought into this as a goal. What are we trying to achieve? Well, I would say that all Canadians may not recognize the concept of Digital Canada by 2020, but what they do recognize is the inconvenience that they have when they're enrolling their child in a new school or trying to prove their vaccination. They do recognize the friction that's created every time they try to create a business or transact online. They do recognize these issues when they have a loved one pass away or an emergency that takes place and they need to relocate in a quick way. While every Canadian may not recognize the concept of Digital Canada by 2020, they absolutely absolutely recognize the inconvenience and the opportunity that they're losing and they're demanding more and more that they have services that they can trust and transact with confidence in their lives as digital becomes more and more of not an option but a requirement to participate in the economy. And that's a great place to leave this episode of the Identity North podcast. Thanks very much, Joni. Thanks, Aaron. I'm Aaron Hamilton. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to check out the upcoming Identity North workshops and the annual summit in June. Tickets are on sale now at identitynorth.ca.